like if ignoring this person does more for your psyche than like combating like confronting them about it and like using your energy to explain to them why they're wrong when they should really just know that they're wrong anyway <laughs> like that's totally fine mm-hmm. but like and like you shouldn't feel obligated to have to correct anyone and anyone or everyone any day of the week because you know it is their prerogative and just because they don't know how to make a space safe doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your peace to give them that lesson and that's not what you want Welcome to Boss Logs, and you're now listening to the next episode from our pilot series with today's episode featuring Christina Joy. Now, before I get into today's episode, I'd like to share that this Thursday, June 25th, is a networking event hosted by Inclusion. It's one I've been telling you about for the past two or three episodes. Um, You know, I really like what Inclusion has to offer to the world, and I actually have sent some jobs that I found on their site to um, a couple of my friends over the past couple of weeks. And, um, you know, for those who are just now listening for the first time, Inclusion is an organization that has truly created a virtual community for diverse freelancers and remote professionals to find opportunities to work, learn, and basically just grow with each other. And that's honestly the type of thing that I found myself looking for more and more than ever these days, you know, with everything that's going on and with us just coming off of Juneteenth weekend, I've really been thinking a lot about what it means to work with Black-owned businesses and the long-term impact of buying Black, which actually brings me to today's special guest. You know, I sat down with Christina via Zoom around the beginning of COVID-19 and got to learn a lot about her experience at one of the biggest HBCUs in America, The her work with behavioral development and um lower education schools and how she started a magazine with nothing but basically a stapler and some regular eight and a half by 11 printer paper to support the black business owners in the DMV area. I think you'll really find what she has to say interesting. So thank you for listening and welcome to episode six, the impact of buying black with Christina Joy. Hello everyone, I'm your host Walter Gaynor II and I would like to welcome you to Boss Locks. It is a show where we are redefining professionalism by proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now today I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Christina Joy. Christina, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, how are you? I'm doing pretty great. Now um, for those who don't know, Christina Joy is an HBCU alum graduating from Howard with a degree in psychology, right? That's right. All right. And she's also the owner of Our Black Book Magazine, where they highlight stories from Black businesses in the DMV area and serve as a resource for those who want to support minority-owned businesses. So I have a list of questions to ask you today. Um, But to start off, what are three things that you can name that most people don't know about you? I have, I have a deep obsession with magazines. Oh, yeah? Yeah, not just because I have one. Like, before I had one, I've always had an obsession with magazines. Mm-hmm. I have a stack, two stacks of magazines. 
<laughs> oh, really? Okay, what kind of snacks? I know I always like and went in the grocery store, just like getting ready to check out. Like I'm always like checking out the covers, but I never end up like picking them up. With like, what do you usually get? Uh, I definitely love essence. Like essence. That's a good one. That's a good uh, one. I also like some smaller print black women magazines, like mm-hmm. um, Radiant Health magazine and. Um, Crown magazine. Uh, I've tried them. I usually get them at Good Human. And, um, yeah, they're really dope. Like, mm-hmm. people who I aspire to be like, you know. Yeah, I feel like magazines are starting to kind of make a comeback more like the digital space. I have a friend here, um, Darius, who's starting up a uh, magazine all about the millennial creatives and entrepreneurs in the Atlanta and Charlotte area. But yeah, I started seeing more people kind of come up with their own magazines. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I think magazines are definitely, I don't think they ever left personally, but I think they're a comeback also in the print space because people are printing magazines. They're just not printing them as frequently Mm -hmm. once did, except for like big brands like Right. Things like that. But most like plenty of magazines are going quarterly, plenty of magazines are doing like bigger issues, but for less amount, uh, for, well, for a, a longer period of time, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of month to month, it's every three months. Oh, kind of like on a quarterly basis? So. Okay, cool. I think more of that. Uh, I love books. So, I mean, I think people kind of know that about me though, because in a bookstore, or I've worked at a bookstore. Oh, cool. Still do right now, but, you know, Corona, so I don't really have Right, right. But, yeah, like, I love, love, love. I... What's your uh, favorite type of book to read? Like, any uh, particular genre or author? You know, I kind of bounce around mm-hmm. over my time reintroducing myself to reading, you know, mm-hmm. um, which has been a minute, like, I could definitely say at least 2017, 2017 is, like, when I really came back to books. Oh, yeah? And I've read everything from, like, you know, memoirs to YA novels, mm-hmm. and adult, and we've got so much, I'll say this, we have so much so many more options now that it's kind of hard to choose. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I um, from you said 2017s when you got back. I feel like I like literally just got back into reading last year. Like, um, um, I think Nipsey Hussle probably really motivated me. Like, they started had coming out with these book lists. Like, these are all the books Nipsey Hussle recommended. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I started reading some business ones, but now I'm trying to get um, trying to find more like fiction based. Um, or not even like necessarily fantasy, but something more just um, someone's imagination. I'm going to start getting into reading those more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sci-fi, black sci-fi is mm-hmm. like, like I've read, I'm, I, I've been reading this series and I've only read the first book. There's only two books in the series. Um, about like post-apocalyptic Civil War era. Oh, damn. Like, that, that is, like, zombies. <laughs> mm, 
Ooh, man. But instead of them being called zombies, they're called shamblers. Like, you know, oh, really? That's funny. Like this old, you know, historic setting. Like literally right after the Civil War, like when the slaves were supposed to be free, instead mm -hmm. the zombie apocalypse happened. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So kind of similar to what we're going through right now. It's not, yeah. It's not turning into zombies. <laughs> okay, so would you be the one to lead like the zombie revolution if everything really keeps going? You know, I you you think you would be the one to lead the revolution, but in real life, I got it. Uh, <laughs> let's just say I'm glad COVID isn't turning anyone into a zombie. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, this is written by a black woman, and you know we are. We're writing everything from zombie apocalypse novels to like the um, the hate you give, which is like mm. that turns to that movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I need to read that book. Uh, my girlfriend read that book. She loved it. She absolutely loved it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hold against movie. It's a like, or the movie doesn't hold against the book, like. The book is really good. The book is really good. Okay, I have to bump that up on my list. Me and my friend, we decided to start a book club. I'll be honest, I'm definitely holding them up. I'm definitely a lot slower to read them. But I mean, now that, you know, we're all quarantined, I'm going to jump back into it. So we'll to, yeah, we'll have to uh, plug you into that because we're trying to turn it into like a podcast as well, like a whole book club podcast or inviting other people on uh, just to share. So Sounds like a fun. Cool. Yeah. Stay tuned. We'll see how that happens. Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So obsession with magazines, love books. You have one more? If not, it's cool, but um you know, I never I never saw myself with locks as a child. Like Really? Yeah, if you would ask me like when I was like Ten years old, if I ever wanted to wear locks, like you would never. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a no no. <laughs> like I feel like people think like that, like when you have locks, you have like this kind of persona, like you you've had that personality like your whole mm -hmm. life. Like absolutely not. Like this was a transition. <laughs> <laughs> like I was about the creamy crack in high school. Mm -hmm. And you know, I stopped it. I stopped it like my first year, like after I finished freshman year at Howard. Like that's oh, how really? long at Howard. This one full year at Howard, and all of a sudden, what's a perm? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like, man, I don't need to to straighten my hair. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but like. By the time you graduate, then you got locked. Like, oh, that's funny. And then I got locked. So. That's that HBCU experience. <laughs> you know, I think most people don't know that. Is that like, unless you knew me from before I had locked, like before college, you wouldn't think that like I would have ever had locked. Dang. I never had that person. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So how would you say, like, your perspective towards natural hair, like, before, if you can remember, like, before compared to, like, now, like, what would you say, like, the big transition just in your mindset has been? Um, I think that, like, 
I didn't realize that I had equated like beauty having straight long hair, you know. Mm. So until I realized that, like, no, you can be beautiful with your 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 dukey braids and your mm-hmm. you know straight back and like you know just your fro, like you can be beautiful that way. I think that like until I went to Howard, I didn't see all that mm. from natural hair. Like I'm from the suburbs, like <laughs> like. <laughs> we was rocking straight hair, and then we was scrunching our hair with the white girls, like with the gel. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So <laughs> we was not thinking about nobody's life. We were thinking about nobody's afro. Like, right, that was not happening. That was not it. That was not it. Like, how could you straighten your hair the best? Mm-hmm. Was that mm. is fuck. So until I got to Howard, and I said, and it's true, like the DMV in general, like. Everybody's natural down here. Like, and if you aren't natural, it's fine. Like, you have a weave, and that's okay too. But, like, everybody has male hairstyle instead of, like, we're all believing that we need to have straight hair. That, that's how it felt, at least. You know? Yeah. I feel that. I know, um, like, grew up in Charleston, like, people had locks, but you only really saw them in certain um, environments. But when I moved to Atlanta, it was like, wow, like everyone has um, not just like locks or uh, fro or anything, but all different types of hairstyles. They um, style and customize the different ways. It's like, so it was really like a whole new world that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So move to the DMV area. Where did you grow up? Jersey. Jersey. A uh, little place called Islin, New Jersey, inside a Woodbridge Township, um, right in the middle of Central, like Central Jersey, Central Jersey, gotcha. Central Jersey. Yes, Central it's... Jersey. <laughs> and um, yeah, like we're—I always call us the Schmegular folks, like the regular <laughs> folks. We're right. Uh... You like get up north, you start getting real bougie, and then if you get down south, it starts to get like. Like, <laughs> really? It's like country and the... Yes, yes. Wow. Like, you don't know that unless you live in Jersey. You're like, what the fuck? Like, what is it? Right. <laughs> yeah, so... I realize I don't know anything about Jersey except for Jersey Shore. So. It's so segregated, especially, particularly by socioeconomic status. Like, like, mm. like the regular folks really live all together in this one little patch. <laughs> <laughs> And then you go up north, and it's like, oh, we, we think we live in New York. And like, right. So how far away are you from New York? I'm like 30 minutes. Like, from where minutes. I grew up, like, if you just kept driving on the parkway, you would get there in 30 minutes. So, like, like you're taking a train, probably, like, around the same amount of time, like, maybe 40 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. it's really not it's not far like from the city but yeah okay so what so how'd you end up in um in the dc area instead of like going to new york oh i i, I love dc like i i was never obsessed with new york like, oh really I, like i feel like growing up in new york shadow like mm-hmm. i was just never caught up in the hype and i was just <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I didn't go to New York until I was 16, like, for real, for real. Oh, wow. So, it wasn't, like, a big thing for me. Like, New York was mm-hmm. there, and he's like, oh, yeah, you listen to the radio station. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it just happened to be there. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Y'all got cool radio, but, yeah, you know. Like, never hype on New York. So, like, when oh, wow. I was down here to go to Howard, mm-hmm. I was like, Cold. Like, mm. I was like, it's just enough, like, home. It's just close enough to home. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's not too far away. Like, but, you know, it's, it's like a city. DC is like a city suburb. Mm. You know, that's how I see it. Gotcha. Well, you don't necessarily need a car. Mm-hmm. I like, now I just got a car. So, like, I like having a car because I'm from Jersey. Like, you know what right, I mean? Like, yeah. I like being autonomous in that way. But I also like having the option to walk somewhere. I like having the option to take the train. You know, like, mm-hmm. I like having all of these options. However, like, in Jersey, you just don't get those options. Like, <laughs> True, yeah. I remember, like, in Charleston, like, as soon as you get a car, you are free. Like, until then, it's just, like, you just got to call a friend, like, yo, what's happening? Let's let's do something. Yeah. Or, mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So, you moved to D.C. to go to Howard. Um, did you know, like, from the get-go, like, oh, I'm going to Howard, that's where I want to be? Uh, I didn't know I was going to go to Howard until my best friend, he came first. So, he's, mm. he's a year older than me, so. Gotcha. He went to Howard first, his friend, and he was like, you'll love it down here, and I went to visit him, and he was right, so I was just like, mm-hmm. that was the only school I applied to, because oh, wow. I saw it, I was like, oh, this is me. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess you weren't even considering any other schools, you were just like, oh, no, this is, this call us. I mean, like, when you're from Jersey, like, if you're not going out of state, you're going to Rutgers, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> and, Especially for my part, Jersey. So like, like everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm going to Rutgers. Yeah, I'm going to Rutgers. Yeah, I'm going to Rutgers." Like, good <laughs> school. Like, so, like I'm not going to shit on Rutgers because like Rutgers is a good school. It's a big school, but mm-hmm. like, I just could not see myself staying in Jersey the way it was. Mm. Like, I just knew after having seen Howard, I was like, "Oh, I just need to come here." Right. Like. I see myself here. I see us here doing good things. Like mm-hmm. it was just a no-brainer for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't have nothing to go back to except my family and like friends. Like, mm-hmm. but I talk to them. Right, you always go visit. <laughs> yeah, not right now because you know New Jersey number two on the list. <laughs> oh, is it? Dang. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Right by New York, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. And I was like, look what being in New York shadow got us. So going to the HBCU, I, I, I wish I went to one because I think that it would have really helped with maybe like in a, like a confidence type of way, I think, just going to HBCU and growing and learning with people who look like you instead of growing somewhere else. It's um, just does something else to your mentality. So, um, you know. Think, uh, well, what did you graduate with psychology major? Did you know, like, how long did it take you to really choose psychology compared to, I guess, something else? Um, 
That's a good question. Um, especially because I just spent so much time writing about <laughs> writing about it to get into grad school. And um, so when I had applied to Howard, I applied as a music business major. Music business. Okay, cool. Because because I knew I liked to sing. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was like the only thing I was good at, in my opinion, at the time. And um, so I, I like did an audition, and like based on what they said on the website, <laughs> I went to this audition and I sang a song. And she was like, "Well, this is the correct type of song. It says it's supposed to be an aria." And I was just like, "But it doesn't say that on the website." So, long story short, I had, she told me I could, like, audition again, because it was for a classical voice, and, um, and she just needed to hear my range, but I was just like, I just took that as a sign, I was like, you know what, let me figure it out for me, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. took it out, and, um, then I, you know, I did a year as a PR major, because I just mm-hmm. felt like take a major because I didn't want to be undecided, you know? Right. So I spent a year in the school of seed. I was just like, oh, this is not it. Like, <laughs> Not it. Not it. Like, I do not want to do this at all. <laughs> and um, Right. And I think that now now having a magazine, which is funny, like... I was about to say, yeah, it's funny because now you basically are doing PR for, like, yeah, hundreds like, of people. I don't know. I just couldn't do it on there. So I was like, I just could not do it. Right. It was so bad. Um, so I, I went to, uh, like, I ended up talking about it with my, like, my boyfriend at the time. And, um, like, you know, I don't know what I want to do. He's just like, well, what do you, you like to do? What do you, I was like, well, you know, like, people are always asking me for advice. Like, like, people are always asking me for advice. Or people are telling me things that, like, I didn't ask them to tell me, and they just uh, right. like, they're comfortable enough to share things with me that I had no intention on hearing. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't try to get this information. Like, people just kind of spill things out. Just walking down the street and be like, hey, I need to say something. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> and then that, like, people always ask me for directions. I'm like, man, do I look like I know? Oh, really? At all times, like half the time, I don't know where I'm going. Right, like I'm from Jersey. I don't know. First of all, don't do that. I've been down here almost not since I think. Don't do me. Um, That's cool though. I remember I took um I took one psychology class because it was required for um the whole liberal arts education, and then after that, I was like really hooked. It's so fascinating, just kind of studying the mind and how um just like human behavior as well and then i ended up taking another one too as like a substitute for this other class so that's i would say like that's something if i were to like go further in education one of the subjects i would like to study is psychology yeah psychology was amazing at howard like that's how oh, yeah. I got psychology after that conversation but kind of like he's like well why not psychology and I was like all right you know I'll try it out which is like 
uh, made my mind in human development because that's what everybody else did for <laughs> for like insight though. Like, like a lot of people take psychology to like go into law, so then they have like oh, a yeah. high minor or you know like something else. Yeah, like a lot of people use psychology for other things, but I was using psychology because I wanted to be. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I liked people. So. Right. So Great way to help people, especially now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as I got in psychology, like I, I took this class called Psychic Life Experience um, mm. at Howard, and it was just like amazing. It like, it just shook my world. <laughs> like, I was wow. just like, wow. Like, what was it called? Psychology and the Black Experience. After A. Wade Boykin, one of the most renowned psychologists, mm-hmm. black psychologists. What's his name? A. Wade Boykin. Uh, A. Wade Boykin. I have to look him up. Yeah, he he's a developmental psychologist. He does research on um, teacher-student relationships with the. Uh, like black children, like mm. outcomes of black children, and how to get black children, uh, you know, higher in the achievement gap, like mm-hmm. how to close the achievement gap, and like if we're still, if we should still be calling it an achievement gap, and like all these other. Things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he used to go, and so but his classes <laughs> is like just shares like all of black contributions of of psych- to psychology and like particularly um like different like tests and like um notions like the notion of microaggressions is a psychological term that's mm-hmm. now been popularized but like I had learned about it in undergrad you know just like in learning about the black psychologists that came before me you know you're <laughs> like wow so it's just like, like these are all re- like. Wow. Okay. Black people got really hit into Western psychology. Like we came in blazing. You know what I'm saying? And like, man, like came up with the words for what we were going through under an oppressed society. You know, like wow. in society. So it's just like. We have like our whole own branch of psychology that, like, apart from the the stuff that you're learning in your regular psych one on one class, like we have our own sector. Like, <laughs> I never knew that. That's amazing. So these terms that like really end up sometimes making decisions for us have all been kind of um, introduced from black people studying the field of psychology and doctors. Okay. And microaggressions for, I guess anyone listening who's not familiar with that term, can you break down what microaggressions are in, I guess, your own words? So microaggressions are these little encounters that we have with, with usually with white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, even people of other races who just may be ignorant to cultural practices or, like, um, social norms of African-Americans, like, so someone coming up to you and uh, trying to touch your hair without your permission, that's a microaggression. Um, mm. Someone 
assuming that your hair smells like patchouli and mm. an incense because yeah. you're <laughs> right. That's my progression. Like all those little things that don't you don't think should I? It's like should I call that out for being racist mm-hmm. or should I like you know just go about my day? Those are my progressions. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Wow. Man, I didn't think they really categorize all of that under the microaggressions as well. I definitely know it often comes from like place of maybe not caring sometimes and then also um just like the ignorance along with it but yeah you're right i like and he's that's really captures a lot really under that term Hmm. i mean it's as innocent as it comes off it becomes insidious you know like yeah ignorance is literally killing people (laughs) right True, especially like depending on let's say you like someone reacts to that microaggression, then that could really ruin their ruin everything for them. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think about that. Because they don't right. have to, so mm. yeah. I guess that's the importance of calling it out not just for you, but also to put in their head that, oh, this is something you need to start thinking of. Hmm. How do you um if you do experience it or if you've observed these in your experience, um, how do you maybe combat or confront microaggressions? Honestly, it just it kind of depends on the situation. Because mm-hmm. I know we had like, like in our book club at Mahogany Books, um, one of the book clubs, I, I mean book stores I worked at, um, had a conversation about having to explain things to white people and like are we those type of black people who want to explain things to white people or do we not want to be bothered and like you can obviously be either one of those and be and be totally fine like completely correcting your thinking um so like you don't necessarily have to to correct the microaggression if it's hurting you. You know, mm. like, I mean, I don't know if that came out right, but like, like if ignoring this person does more for your psyche than like combating, like confronting them about it and like using your energy to explain to them why they're wrong when they should really just know that they're wrong anyway. <laughs> Like, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, and, like, you shouldn't feel obligated to have to correct anyone, anyone or everyone, any day of the week because, you know, it is your prerogative and just because they don't know how to make a space safe doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your peace to give them that lesson if that's not what you want. Like, you shouldn't feel pressured to do that, you know? All right. Got you. So, um, yeah, I think before I started to glitch up, I was hearing you say, like, it's really kind of your choice on how you respond to it because it, and I, you're right, like, it really does take a lot of energy to um, confront. And if that's something that I guess you're not comfortable with, you're saying that maybe um, the best option for you is, if you're able to, just kind of move on past it, um, just depending on how you feel at that moment. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. It's not our job. Like, it's not mm. our job to fix what they made wrong. Like, right. And some That's days right. it is our job. You know, some days you're like, let me teach you something white person. Like, <laughs> some days you do have that hat on and you're just like, I want to tell somebody something. But, like, not yeah. everything's like that. And that's okay. It's like mm-hmm. picking out, like, which slave movie we're going to see this year. Like, you know? We don't have to watch all of them. Like, we can pick one. And that's it. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. All right. Well, I think that's actually, like, a good kind of transition into some of what you do now um, with uh, working with kids with special needs and, um, just working with like the behavioral side of things. And so can you kind of explain what it is that you do? I'm a one-on-one aide for a special needs kid at the elementary school. Uh, I work with the second graders. Um, I mostly manage his uh, emotional outbursts. Mm-hmm. He's very sensitive and he doesn't understand social cues. He doesn't understand um, personal space. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> and, uh, he doesn't understand not getting his way. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really have any regard for anyone else per se. But then at the same time, will like really feel bad if he makes you upset. Like it's very strange. <laughs> right. He has all this regard for like how you think of him. But he has no regard for his actual actions. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really it's really cool what you do. Um, I think I feel like a lot of schools really should, and maybe they do. But I know for a lot of instances, there, especially with Black students, there aren't a lot of people there to provide the perspective that sometimes these are just like behavioral things or maybe this student actually needs a little bit more um, assistance with kind of growing that sense and they just kind of label all black students as like problem children. I'm, you're right. I'm blessed because I work at a a black founded charter school. Like, oh wow. Yeah, like cultural immersion and everything. Like, man, okay. So, very blessed and like like I feel like that's very indicative of where I live. DC is still very much so chocolate. Mm-hmm. DC is very much so chocolate. So we look out for our own here. But that's not to say that DCPS is not trash. <laughs> so so you know, but at the same time there's still a lot more black teachers here and mm-hmm. black people looking out for the black kids that are here, you know, mm. whereas many places it's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, there may be a lot of black students, but not any black teachers. Like, I don't really see that here, but there are cases of that here, but I don't really see that here, and especially within the schools that I've subbed at or, you know, school I work at now is kind of an anomaly, but still, like, <laughs> but, you know, there, it's, a, there's something good about being in a place where, like, these are all Black professionals, and we are looking at this 
boy as a human instead mm-hmm. of uh statistic instead of uh an aggressive black boy that mm-hmm. can't get right like we're not looking at him like that at all because we know <laughs> right can tell you how many times the teachers have been like we know this is not what the, like we don't like we we have the option to think twice about our kids mm-hmm. as opposed to like being at another school and you having to advocate for all the black children on your by your loads right we're taking a quick break because i wanted to tell you about inclusion the company i mentioned at the beginning of the episode so, Inclusion is a tech startup that provides a freelance marketplace and they're building a job board for companies that want to hire diverse talent for remote positions. And they are hosting their first ever happy hour and virtual speed networking event on June 25th from 6 to 9 p.m. This event will allow you to connect with others one-on-one for at least eight minutes, chat about you, the things you're doing, and really get to know um, the other person in the chat room. They also have a nice virtual lounge room where you can really connect with anyone and everyone who joins. And I, I like this event because I think this that now more than ever is the time to take advantage of these virtual events to connect with people from outside of your physical community. So if you're a freelancer, hiring manager, recruiter, business owner, or anyone who's looking for a job right now, this event is for you. Tickets are available now, so click the link. I added one to the description and sign up before the event is sold out. Um, If you're unable to click the link, then you can visit our website, www.bosslocks.org. And um, in the show notes, I'll have a link and more information there, so you can um, sign up if you're interested. Thanks, and back to our show. Okay, so I know it's uh, you got to go soon. So I want to ask, ask you about uh, your magazine. Um, yeah, so I think it's really cool that you really took kind of your love for magazines and you really created your own to really support Black businesses. Uh, what? But uh, what led you to make the decision and the step to really put that out there? Uh, so basically, right after undergrad. Um, you know, really my senior year of Howard, mm-hmm. really when things really popped off as far as like the Black Lives Matter movement, like, you know, it's the year that 2014 was the year that Ferguson happened and, um, and then the Eric Gardner decision. And in the midst of that, you know, I'm a senior at Howard and, you know, I'm trying to, trying to graduate. <laughs> but like, I remember that struggle. At the same time, like, we are, like, all too aware of, like, what's happening around the country. And so we're just kind of like, what are we supposed to do about this? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know? And same time though we're also trying to graduate so (laughs) it was kind of hard to maintain momentum right your final year at undergrad in like the greater movement outside of school 
so when the summer came afterwards, um, I had already kind of been on this by black tip. When the Eric Garner decision happened, um, I was looking on the internet and I found Maggie Anderson and Maggie Anderson uh, fought black for an entire year with her family mm-hmm. at, uh, back in like 2009 and or maybe like yeah I think 09 and uh, so she did a TED talk and I found that TED talk and I watched it and it just changed my life but mm-hmm. uh, she basically discusses how buying from having black businesses around black children reinforces the psychology that they can do anything when they grow up, that they can be a store owner, that they can be a doctor, that they can be, you know, whomever they see in their community. I never saw a doctor growing up. I never saw black doctors growing up. I only had Indian doctors. I I never saw like many I didn't really see black store ownership. You know what I mean? Like where I'm from. I didn't see that. I think I maybe heard of people owning things, but like it was never like a like, yeah, people should own things, especially black people. Like that was not a thing. So like she said in her video like that increasing black business ownership and supporting the black businesses would influx money into our communities and therefore, you know, make our communities better, but also help the children who need jobs and not, um, and need something to do other than hanging out, need a job, like, you know, they're going to work at so-and-so's business over there instead of the so-and-so's corner, you know? Right, like, right. So, like, she basically put that in all perspective for me, how it's like this whole cycle. And I was just like, that makes all the sense. At least it made all the sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, made this whole like calendar thing, like for February, like a uh, black business challenge that I've been doing ever since. Um, so like I post a business every day, mm-hmm. my Instagram and yeah, I think that's actually how I came across your profile. I think I saw, I think, I think, I guess you feature someone and they, ta- I, I wish I remembered who it was in particular, but yeah, and it's like, you really did it, like, every day, like, this person, this person, this person, it was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, you, there's, like, so many, I think it's so important to do these type of things, because oftentimes you just don't know, I guess, who's out there to support. Absolutely, and I think that's half the battle, is, like, knowing what there is out there, what who there is to support, like, and where to buy it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, is it easily accessible to me? Like, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after the summer, summer 2015, right after I graduated, uh, the Charleston 9 happened. Charleston 9 Ooh. really picked me up. Like, I grew up in the church, so I was... Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. that really shook me up, and I took to the group me that we had started while we were still in undergrad, um, and I was like, what are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. 
know, this is crazy. Like, what are you about to do about this? I'm not about to keep waking up to this shit every morning. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so then we met up at a local business called Bencofa. It's a bookstore and cafe. Here's a black bookstore and cafe. And it's like right across the street from Howard. And, um, we met up there for a few weeks and we kind of just were kept meeting and we didn't know what exactly we wanted to do. We just like we wanted to do something for the community and we just knew that coming together like there was to be an answer. And eventually there was an answer and the first answer was a coupon book for Howard Stevens. Um called the Black Book. <laughs> And we printed it out at, like, the iLab on campus. Like, mm-hmm. we got some local black businesses to, like, honor some coupons. Like, if somebody had brought in a coupon, and like, they would honor it. Like, so we did that very quickly. And, you know, we passed them out on campus, and that was it. Like, we were like, wow. yeah, like, we did something. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool, though, especially, like, catering for, like, college students, because off the top, you know, no one's got money. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, so we did that, and then, then, like, that same year, the next, like, in about a month, the Million Man March. Mm. And, um, you know, the Million Man March, uh, it was, what was the anniversary, so they were doing Mm. it again. And, um, Somebody asked us if we would do like a, another version of the book, but for those people of the Million Man March. And we were like, that sounds like a great idea. So we ended up like this time, you know, we had to get people to um, buy pages and like, this mm-hmm. is like actual booklet. Like, this, the first one was literally like printer paper. <laughs> Staples together. Oh yeah. Like, this one was, uh, was you start like, with what you have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this was like we got we went to a printer and got it printed like in like a booklet, you know. And it had like art in it, it had like poetry and we got like maybe like twenty five ads paid for in that one. You know? Nice. So like yeah, and then we printed like three thousand copies. And then we passed them out, and then we accepted donations. And that was the first hour of Black Book. That's really cool. And that was with my old organization, Society of Young Revolutionaries Incorporated. That's how we started. Like, we started coming together at Copa to going to the Million Man March and then doing a whole bunch of other stuff in between then. But... That's really cool. That is really cool. Is your TED Talk coming soon? So what would you say to some people who, a lot of people think negatively about supporting black businesses or they kind of have expectations of getting things for free or just like um, they'll kind of go above and beyond to call something out that like a mistake, they'll make it a whole big thing like, yeah, this is why I don't support black businesses. Uh, what, what would you say to those people who with that mindset? I'd say, um, what I always say, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the thing about it is that people forget that 
the black businesses that they're often supporting are also small businesses. And that small businesses don't have the same advantages as a big box white corporation does, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for example, with bookstores, like, go to any small black-owned bookstore, they're going to sell books at market rate, like the retail price of the book. Whereas mm-hmm. Amazon can sell things for 50% off and not care because they want to run out the competition. Because mm-hmm. afford to run out the competition. You cannot compare an Amazon and a small black-owned business and think that they're on equal playing fields. That's mm-hmm. absolutely unfair. And if, even if you have one bad experience with the black-owned business, it does not account for every single black-owned business that there ever was. And because of that bad experience, it has nothing to do with our race as well. It has absolutely nothing to do with our race. It has everything to do with that individual. So if you can't see that, like, if you, like, stop and check yourself before you get mad at a black business owner for the last black business owner that you had to encounter with. Like, that's the end. <laughs> Love that. Love that. That was like one of the first questions, like when I first came across your profile, I was like, okay, one, I really want to interview her. And two, I want to ask her that question. Mm-hmm. So like that is, um, that was a perfect way of like painting a picture of like not comparing. I really like that a lot, actually. Just don't compare it to one other businesses, especially the big ones, Amazon, that have like billions of dollars and they could do whatever. They could put books out for free, I bet, and still make money somehow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I know you have to go. So just a couple more questions. Um, so I guess Howard kind of, um, well, let me actually get to the word. Or I guess what advice would you give to someone who is interested in locking their hair? Ah, so I say try it out first because I did that. Like, mm-hmm. Like, I didn't necessarily plan on ever having locks until after I saw myself with faux locks. Mm-hmm. And the faux locks looked so good. I was like, ooh. <laughs> well, I can do this. <laughs> you right. know? And especially since, like, I don't like doing my hair anyway. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, people always oh, talk about so- how natural hair takes so much work, but, like, with locks, like, I... I, I, that was actually one of the I reasons I got them. So it's like, right, just roll out, already done. Oh. I don't have time. Right. I don't have time to do my hair. So what makes you think? Because <laughs> I was about to do it. Facts, Like, if you're on the fence, I would say try them out. If you're not on the fence, just go for it. Just go. Don't care about what nobody thinks. Don't care about what corporate America thinks. Fuck them. Like, it's your job that appreciates you. Okay. Mm. That's right. Oh, I like that. Your job to appreciate you. All right, cool. Um, now, in regards to um, parents and children, uh, especially like right now when a lot of people are quarantined and kids, like sometimes they don't even understand what's going on. So, like, from I guess what you do in your. Um, helping with children run behavioral type things, what would you recommend to parents? Um, and regards to just like how, what to do with their kids or uh, what type of things you should um, 
can I teach them, help them understand, like what would your advice be? Be general, specific, anything. Oh, I would definitely find things that are entertaining for the kids because kids need to be entertained like 24-7. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like whether it be like something you do with your child, like you, I think you have to have time for stuff you actually do with your child and stuff that can give you a little bit of free time, but like also like not keep your child from, I mean, also keep your child from like jumping off the, the stairs and like, you know, doing something <laughs> so like, something like educational but like in engaging on YouTube or whatever those those could be cool or you know getting like ordering some puzzles like practicing reading like things like that like flashcards like stuff that's interactive um arts and crafts are always fun like coloring is very therapeutic I know I've been coloring so oh yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely say you can do some coloring with your kid, with like without your kid, you know, have your kid do the coloring. Like there are plenty of things to do, especially when you're entertaining your child. Like you just entertaining yourself, like you you're really boring, but like you have to be like like entertaining for a child. So you right. can you like, <laughs> Oh. All right, so keeping them engaged, coloring. I'm actually, I'm not to try coloring. I know there's a lot of like coloring book things online you could download and just kind of. Yeah, my go friend at it. made a coloring book. Uh, oh yeah. It's on her website, JaneCreates. JaneCreates.com. Go live. I know she just rebranded. Is yeah. that one of the black businesses you supported? Creates.com, J-A-I-N-Creates.com. <laughs> cool, yeah. We'll see if we can put, like, the link to the side on the show, like, the show notes, too. Make it really easy for everyone. Go to the show notes when they're out. Get some coloring books. Nice. Okay, cool. All right. Oh, yeah, La and they're printable. So, like, if you have, like, it's, it's, like, it's not, like, a bound coloring book. Like, they're literally just pages that you can print out, and it's, like, her dope. Oh, so you don't have to wait for like the mail yeah, to come in. Exactly. Just get them right then. After you, you know, after you pay for it, you download it and you put them up. Okay, she made them real easy for us. <laughs> cool. Exactly. Nice. All right, last question, and this might be the toughest one so far. Are you ready? All right. What's the first thing you're gonna do when it's safe to go back out into the world again? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, man, that's a great question. I want to like, I like, I don't like the summer, but like, I like it enough to want to go out and like, like sunbathe and and go to the like to the beach. Like, I would love mm -hmm. to. Oh, oh that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm going to like. Cali beach. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Not just any beach, like Cali beach. I think like after this, we've all kind of deserved to just do do the most. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Uh. All right. Cool. Well, you might you might see me there too. Just get. <laughs> 
Cool. All right. So thank you very much. Um, how can we support you, follow you? Like what's, yeah, firstly, how, how can we follow you? Like what's your social? Uh, Mama Unk on Instagram. That's my IG handle, M-A-M-A underscore A-N-K-H. And uh, our Black Book Mag is the magazine's Instagram handle. That's our O-U-R Black, like Black V Black Black <laughs> book. Like I read a book and then Mag, like M-A-G Mag. <laughs> All right. And thank you very much. And also as like a thank you for coming on, we're going to send you a, a mug, a little Boss Locks mug. So afterwards you know that i love love tea like oh yeah perfect adore adore you see this like i have all the bugs oh okay oh i like that too oh that's fancy okay nice all right cool so we'll have one to add to your collection wonderful all right cool (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you thank you for having me on walter Thank you all for listening to Boss Lux, a show that is redefining professionalism and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. I also want to thank everyone who's bought a shirt from us over the past couple of weeks. You know, every order both helps to help us grow in all sorts of areas, but also um, we're contributing to organizations that are fighting for justice, change, and economic empowerment for black communities. So. Um, You know, there are a lot of organizations out there doing some amazing things. So in addition to supporting um, organizations who are doing things like helping protesters who've been arrested, we're working on identifying a few organizations that are doing some great things but not getting as much media attention. You know, every dollar counts. So thank you all for your contribution. And we'll keep you updated with uh, production time on the shirts and where the proceeds are going. And um, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about Christina and the wonderful work that she's doing, uh, please go check out our site by visiting www.bosslux.org. There we'll have links in the the description so you can find all of our socials and access our magazine. And uh, while you're there, you can also sign up for our private newsletter and for Inclusion's virtual networking event happening this Thursday, June 25th. Once again, that is www.bosslocks.org Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.